Thank you guys so much for letting me be here again. This is going to be a good morning. If you're excited to be here this morning, notify your face. There it is. Good. Well, like they said, my name is Ryan Edberg. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I live there with my wife, and we've been married for about 15 years. We've got four kids, um, and we've been there for about five years. We came from Minnesota, and so we got out of the cold. The Lord rescued us and took us out of um, our trials and brought us to the promised land of Tennessee, and so it's been great. Um, we, I just want to thank you guys, um, not only just for letting us be here, but you guys have partnered with Kingdom for years. We started in 2016, and you guys were one of the first events that we'd ever done here in Houston. And so thank you guys very much for opening up your doors to us. And um, even just John Alexander is crazy amazing. He's on top of it more than I'm on top of it. So he tells me what we're doing for the youth conference. So that's great. It's good. Um, it's been a crazy season. Have you ever been in a traveling ministry during 2020? <laughs> Have you ever learned how to pivot at a moment? Um, me and my wife, we started a, a cleaning company. Um, well, she started it. I just put my name on it because we're married. So half of it's mine legally. Um, but we started this company back in 2016, 2017, when we started the youth conferences. And it was at, after this event, we were here last year, um, I went home and my wife was just crying on the bed. And I'm like, what is happening? And we, we do cleaning all through Nashville, Franklin. It was about 130 houses um, every month that we were doing in different companies. And she said, every time I look at my phone, there's another 10 or 20 cancellations. She said, we're running three different teams. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. You're traveling ministry, and that's done. What are we going to do? And, you know, guys, as men, everybody say hoorah. All right. We want to fix the girls' problems. As a woman, you don't want us to fix your problem. You just want us to shut up and listen, right? <laughs> no, don't help. Just, just listen to me. So I'm trying to think of, well, we could do this, or we could move some stuff around, and I'm sure it's going to be like this. And she's just like, take my phone. I can't look at it anymore. Every time I look at it, it's bad. Just take it. I, I don't want to look at it anymore. And, and she was just crying. And I, I remember walking out of the room just like, God, this is... I don't know what we're going to do. And I remember this fire up inside of me, and I stopped, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm a faith preacher. That's all I preach. I want to preach faith. And I said, I looked at her, I'm like, know your God. And I was really speaking to myself too, right? So when I'm preaching every morning, I'm preaching to myself. If you guys get something out of it, that's a bonus. <laughs> but I need to preach faith every morning, especially in a year that we just came through, Right? And so I looked at her and I said, know your God. I said, we talk about this all the time. You know, it's easier to teach about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego than to go through the fire. It's easier to talk about the promises of God without having some trouble come on top of you. And you have to push through it. It's easier to preach on faith without, you know, than go through some fear for a moment. I'd much rather just teach you on what to do than go live it myself. Right? So I said, know your God. And we began to pray. We got on our knees and we just prayed and we said, God, 
We believe you and we believe your word. No matter what we hear, no matter what we see, no matter what this world throws at us, we're going to believe you over everything else. And so we prayed. And I'm telling you, we went from 130 houses down to about 25 within days. And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> That's exactly what we prayed for. But almost every single, at least 95% of the, the people that were on our roster that we were cleaning for continued to send checks. And we're like, what in the world? Why do we, we didn't clean this house. Wait, we didn't clean this house. This one's $1,000 extra. We're calling them, and they're like, we're giving you a tip. We want your company to thrive through this season. And we're like, thank you, Jesus. It wasn't like I thought it was going to be. And, but God was faithful through it all. Did you know that when the plagues are coming in Egypt, it can be sunshine and, and Goshen? Did you know that? And we had the opportunity there, like everybody else. I started a, a church in 2020. I felt like God was like, um, I want you to start a church. So in Columbia, Tennessee, I started a church in my barn. It's really awesome. And uh, there's probably, you know, 40, 50 people there. And I'm like, God, why are you having me start this? And when we started in early 2020, it was January. And I made out my outline because I'd never pastored before. I'd only come in and just speak one time. So I got one message and I'd do it really well. And then you're pastoring and you do your message and you're like, wait, what's next week? What do I do? And so it's been a great season of growing and just um, teaching every different. But I, so I, I'm sure every pastor does this. I made my outline for the whole year of every message I was going to I got through my first two, and then God's like, no, do this one. I'm like, no, Lord, I have an outline. I could show you my outline, Lord. And he, he had me start teaching on faith, and don't be afraid. And I went to um, 1 Timothy right away, and, or 2 Timothy 1 and 7, and it's, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I couldn't get off that verse all the way through January, then all the way through February, and then March hit, and I'm like, oh, God, you weren't really just having me to start a church to grow a church. You were getting our team ready for what was coming. And I'm telling you, our team and the people there, they got promotions through 2020. We got raises through 2020. There was new job openings. If people got fired, something better came along. Um, house payments were taken care of. And I was like, God, you're so much bigger than I can even think or imagine. I, I'd put you in this little tiny box of, God, this is going to work like this, and we're going to do it like this. And, and when you get out of the way, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so much better. And I started to go through this, and I realized that in, in John 10.10, 10, it says, in John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief does not come except, which means the only reason he is coming is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life, and life more abundantly. And I'm telling you, I went and preached uh, two months ago in Kansas, and I taught on this, and I was talking about how it's the goodness of God. And I'm talking about our God's come to bring life and life more abundantly. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I said, what is this virus doing? Is it stealing? Yes. Is it killing? Is it destroying? Yes. Where did it come from? The pit of hell. And they're looking at me like a cow looks at a new gate. They're like, what? I thought, they said, no, God has brought this on us to teach us a lesson. I'm like, what lesson are you learning? 
I said, yeah, America needs to come back to Jesus. Amen. But he doesn't teach it. It says the goodness of God draws to repentance now, right? And so I started teaching on this, and there, it was so full of religion and this stuff. And I started to teach this, and people just started to get life. And they didn't believe in the goodness of God. I prayed for somebody. They fell over. They, and the whole church freaked out because that didn't happen at their church. And I'm, I'm freaking out, too, because it didn't really happen to me either. I'm like, well, oh, I hope it didn't. What happened? A bad breath? I don't know. And, um, but they get up totally healed, and the church is like, oh, you should come back. We'll have, like, a God movement night. I'm like, God moved 2,000 years ago. Start to believe his word. Amen? And so I looked at it. I'm like, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come but anything else. I said, so the devil's out to, to really push us. And I knew in a moment that it went back to that time in March where I was there with my wife. And we had the opportunity at that time to take fear on. It says that the just live by faith. But yet, I had the opportunity to live by fear. Uh, the devil's going to give you the option all times. You get a breakthrough in church. You get a breakthrough. You know, pastor's up here with his beautiful hair. And he's given the best message ever. I'm just telling you, like, if I was to vote on any pastor that I've seen of the greatest hair of all times... I'm just saying. That's, a, that's not even in my notes. I just looked over there, was jealous for a moment, and then thought, the Lord, please heal. All right. <laughs> so, so I don't even know where I'm preaching anymore. I'm just, yes, okay, back to the message. The devil will give you the opportunity at all times to fear. When, when a message comes through or the word comes through, he's going to try to hit you really hard to bump you off of that word. He's going to give you the opportunity to live in fear. And, and I'm telling you, I don't even know what our life would be like if we, this year, if we didn't take that time and say, God, we fully trust you. And sometimes we're saying it with our mouth, but our heart is still, you know, a little bit like, God, I trust you. And it says that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so some people, I'm, I'm talking to them this year, and they're like, yeah, we're just believing God. And I hear everything they say out of their mouth is negative and fear. I'm like, oh, you don't really believe it. You're just saying it like a parrot because you heard it at church. There's a difference, right? When you're speaking and out of the, your mouth, it's coming from your heart. That's when real changes happen. It says that God um, looked at Abraham and counted him as righteous, and he found grace before grace had even existed. Why? Because he was believed God was able to do what God said he was going to do. That's how simple it is. I mean, back then, Abraham got what we had today, that grace and that blessing on his life because he believed God. It's that simple. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can get that, I want to believe the word over anything else. I want to believe the word no matter what happens in this world. I want to stand on this rock. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, I saw this uh, thing on uh, Fox News the other day. It was this, this they see this alien ship or whatever in the sky, and aliens are coming, different, whatever. You know, I'm telling you, if little green men come down this fall and say, we're here, and we put you here millions of years ago, and blah, 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 there's no God, I'm going to believe the word over whatever the devil's trying to deceive us with at that moment. Because this has got to be more real to us than what we see, what we hear, what we feel, whatever we're going through, because it's the word of God. And if you don't believe that, you're going to go through life like everybody else. You'll run around like a chicken with your head cut off. 
I know I, I did that as a kid. My grandpa made me do that. I was never the same. <laughs> Pray for me. Um, so I started to look at this, and we're supposed to be faith in everything that we do, right? As Christians and believers, we're supposed to have faith. We're supposed to stand on faith. And I didn't even really know what faith is. And I looked at um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, and you guys probably know this better than I do. It says that, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I might have t- talked about this a touch two years ago when I was here. Um, but it was, I looked at it, and I saw the faith is a substance. So I'm like, I looked it up, and a substance means an actual physical matter or material. So I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Faith is just a hope, right? It's just a belief in a, no, it says that faith is a substance of things hoped for. But faith is also the evidence of the unseen. How do I know that I'm getting my breakthrough? Let me show you my faith. That's not, let me just show you what I'm saying. Because <laughs> I can repeat, you come into church and you're like, how are you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored. And they're like, oh, life is awful. <laughs> right? We, we sometimes, we know what to say. And, and amen, we need that season where we just say it because we know what to say it until we hear it enough that we believe it. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God, right? So faith and fear, they're really the same kind of animal, but exact opposites. So anytime in scripture where it talks about faith, you can put fear in there and it works. So fear comes by hearing and hearing anything that contradicts the word of God, right? So what are you letting in your ear? I'm telling you, if I'm believing for a miracle, when we go through um, different situations in life as a family, there's only like two or three families that I let know what's happening. Why? Because sometimes we want to let it out. Hey, we need a prayer chain going. I want, you know, everybody pray. Every, that's not how God works. God's like, ah, no, not yet. There's only 120 praying. If you get that prayer chain up to 150, I'll probably hear enough of them that I'm going to answer, right? I'm going to post it on Facebook, and the Lord's like, nah, there's, that's only two likes and three hearts. I'm not answering that yet. That's only got two shares. <laughs> not yet. That's, that's our, our prayer life with God. Like, let's post this on for everyone to see. And really, you've got people just gossiping. You know what she's going through? She's got this. Oh my goodness. And it's, it's actually that talk and that belief system is, is getting spread out like a disease. When I'm going through something, there's about two people that I know that will keep their mouth shut and they'll push through until it happens. That's faith. I don't even know why I went there. That's for somebody. That's for you. That's, that's a free bonus. I didn't charge extra for that one. So I looked at it and I was like, you know, faith is a substance of things that are hoped for. It's actually building behind the scenes. We may not see it at the moment. You know, I, be, I bet you some of the Israelites that were praying for God to set them free didn't really see a miracle happen when Moses was, did things on his own and was out in the desert, trying to, God trying to bring him back around. I bet they didn't see behind the scenes what God was really trying to answer their prayer. I bet they were complaining and griping and really, God's abandoned us. God's not really here. He's like, no, I sent him there. I put him in the palace. I gave him authority. He tried to do it on his own. He ran away. Let me circle him back around. Your decisions affect people. God's trying to use you for somebody's prayer request probably. 
Are you going to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Are you going to pray for somebody when they need prayer? Are you going to step out in faith? Are you going to give when God says give? Are you going to be obedient when God says? Are you going to do it your own way and cost everybody time? So I'm looking at this, and I started to research and go through, and I talked about, um, I'm going to read Romans really quick, because this is what, what God said to Abraham, about Abraham. In Romans 4, 20 and 21, I'm in the amplified version because I, I like it. <laughs> Just for this verse. I know if you're King James, I apologize. I'll repent after this. But just for this one, I usually have King James, but it says in Romans four twenty and 21, it says, but he did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promises of God. That's huge. Sometimes we stand on the promise of God for the day. Sometimes we stand for the week, right? And Abraham was way too old for this promise to even happen, Right? It was way too old for this to even make sense, but he was standing on it for a long time. It says, but he did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God, but grew strong and empowered. How? By faith. Giving glory to God. You're saying he was praising God before he had even seen it happen? How can you be giving glory to God when it hasn't even happened yet? I'll tell you how. Because he was fully convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised. You know, when we started Kingdom Youth, it was uh, a little scary. And um, when God calls you to do something, if it's in your budget, it wasn't God. <laughs> um, so God's like, I want you to do youth conferences and nobody doing them anymore. We got to do this and th this generation needs me. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to do that? And he's like, step out in faith. So I'm telling you, I started um, down this road of doing youth conferences. We planned out five, and I talked to all my business guys, all the church leaders and pastors that run in big churches, and I said, this is what I want to do. And they all said the same thing. If you want to go broke really fast, this is a great idea. I said, well, but God said. And they're like, you will never make anything in youth ministry. I'm like, well, if I started with that, I said, then who's going to go after the youth? Who's going to do it? I mean, we're just going to, we can't make money off it, so let's let them go to hell. So I started, and it looked like I was going to go about $70,000 in the hole my first four months. And I did. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, the rapture could happen now, Lord. <laughs> Take me now. But honestly, I was so depressed. I had anxiety. I had fear. I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't know how I was going to do this. I didn't know if I was going to lose my house. I didn't know if I was going to lose my wife because of it. She was going to take the kid. Like all these thoughts start coming in your head. And that comes from the enemy. Amen. So I have the fear, and the enemy took over at that moment in my life. And for a couple weeks, I couldn't. I just couldn't get out. I just moping. I'm like, God, these are going to be awful. Look at these bills. God, I can't pay these bills. I can't do this. God, what are we going to do? You said to do this. I did it. And God, what are we going to do? And I'm telling you one thing. My mom called at that time. I had a business guy who was like, we're going to take care of this. So I didn't just step out and spend $70,000. I had a guy who said, we're going to take care of this for you. 
And I said, okay, we're going to start going. And at the end of it, he said, okay, um, here's the funds, but I want three times back my money and 40% of your company for the rest of your life. And I'm like, that's not what you said. I'm like, I can't do that. I, I need to be in control of what God wants us to do with this. I'll be a slave to you for the rest of my life. I can't do that. So I walked away looking at, I'm going under. And it wasn't until uh, my mom had called, and she's like, I know you're going through. We've got a line of credit. This is what it is. You can use it for anything. Now, at that moment, I pulled myself up. I started listening to the word. I, I did eight hours a day of just listening. I said, I got to get myself in a right spot. But I'm telling you this for a reason, because it, it wasn't until I knew that my mom had said, and I don't care, I'm a mama's boy, that's fine. You can make fun of me later. She said, don't worry, we've got you. You can pay it back when you need to, and we're going we're gonna to make this work. All fear and anxiety had left. Now, I say that because how much more should have it been the promise of God who said, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. But I had to hear it first from somebody else that said, I've got you. But how much more should that word of God be when God says, I've got you? Step out. But yet, I, I believed him enough to step out and then doubted it right away when it didn't look like it in the natural. I'm like, it doesn't really look like it anymore. God, you said to step out, and I stepped out, and now you've changed your mind. You've abandoned me. Here I am all by myself. And that's us every single day with different things. This isn't my story. This is probably your story but on a different level and a different thing and whatever it is that God's called you to do. And we've had that moment or that option like we did back in March to say, this is going to be bad. Now you can take that or you can pull yourself back in the word and say, no, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word. I need to get into the word and make that my reality that I can praise God and be fully convinced that I can praise him before I've even seen it. And when my, my mom said, we've got you, my bills didn't change, the debt didn't change, nothing changed except for my attitude, and things turned around. So I started to look through some of this. So if faith is actually the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, it means that your faith can actually create, right? Did you know that fear can also create? I don't have time to teach you the whole story of Job in the book of Job. But people literally look at the book of Job and they're like, I'm going through a Job trial. Uh, well, then you better end up with seven times more at the end. Praise God. I'm going through a Job trial. No, you're not. I mean, Job literally, they're like, well, God brought it to him. Well, read the first part of it and it said, you know, even the translation in the very beginning actually should have said that God said to Satan, why is your eye on my servant Job? Which changes the whole story for me. People are like, well, well, it says, God said, look at my, have you considered my servant? No. In the real translation, it should have been, why is your eyes on my servant Job? And in the very first verse, after he loses everything, they come to him weeping and crying. It says that he made sacrifices to them daily because they might have sinned the night before. Let me tell you, they probably did, right? If he's that concerned. So he's got this fear and anxiety so much. And then after they bring the message to him, he says, the very thing that I had feared the most 
has come upon me. Your fear can create. Satan saw his fear and said, look at that. I can use that. And God said, why is your, why is your eyes on my servant Job? Because he's fearing right now. Let me do something here. And God still blessed him through it with seven times more at the end. Right? He didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside like we do. It was different. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What's your belief system? I love it when uh, Paul's teaching, he said, The gospel was preached to them as well as to them, but to them it was to no effect because it wasn't mixed with faith. Which tells me, you're all going to hear the word from pastor. He's going to get up here and preach it, but you're all going to get different results, and you're going to look at each other and be like, why does he get that? Like, I'm, I'm believing too. No, it wasn't mixed with faith. You didn't grab that word and make it your own. You heard the word. You heard the correct information. You can even recite the word back, but it's not in your heart coming out of your mouth. So sometimes you got to get it out of your mouth so it can get into your ear and sink down into your heart long enough so that when it comes back out... It's coming out of your heart instead of out of your head. I had to learn that a long time ago. I'm like, I'm saying the right things. I'm doing the right things. And they're like, everything you're saying is in fear, though. Oh, in my heart, I'm really afraid, but I'm reciting the right things because I've been taught that's what I'm supposed to do. You see, God knows. He's not dumb. He's like, oh, they're saying it, but it's not in their heart. It's not their conviction yet. They're saying it because they know that they're supposed to say it. And I want to know the word where it's in my heart. I want to read the word with my heart. I want to believe the word with my heart. And not just have the correct information. A, a doctor can come into the hospital and say, you know, sir, you're, you're just dehydrated. If you were to drink some water, you'd be just fine. And that person can hear that information and still die of thirst if he doesn't go and get a drink of water. You can have the correct information, but what are you going to do with it? That's, that's the powerful part. So I started to look in this, and so this season has been a tough season, and it's been a season to learn how to pivot and rely on our God. It's been a season where we really, it shows us what we believe. It showed me what I believed, right? It showed me like, I need to work on it here. I need to work on myself here, right? There's no condemnation in that. If you're perfect, then come and pray for me after, but I sure am not. So this season has showed us all in some areas that we can all work on. And I started looking through scripture. I want you to go really quick to, um, go to John 14, 27. John 14, 27, it says this. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as this world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. There's so much in that scripture. I've read it a hundred times, but didn't understand it at all. Because I'm looking at this, and in context, you got to go back to what is he actually saying here? And this is Jesus talking to his disciples right before he went to the cross. How in the world can you say, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, when the person that you love the most is about to be ripped apart and put on a tree? It would have been wrong for Jesus to say that if it wasn't even possible. So how is this possible? 
the, the most gruesome thing that's ever about to happen in the world, probably, is about to happen. And you tell them, hey, let not your heart be troubled. Hey, don't be afraid. And they didn't even get it then because you see them running in fear and they're hiding when Jesus comes back, right? But I started to break this scripture down and I looked. And the word peace was actually the Hebrew word shalom. And so I looked up the word shalom. We did an event um, with Kingdom, and we sent out some of our interns, and it was um, all this Israel collective, and they were talking about everything in Israel and the importance that we need to have with standing with God's people and, and Israel. Amen? And so we went there, and we were serving there, and every time we'd walk in, they would say, Shabbat Shalom. And I'm like, I've got to look that up because I don't know if you're cussing me out or what's happening here. And so I look up the word shalom, and this is what it actually says in um, the dictionary. It says shalom, and it says the word meaning peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. So this is what Jesus said was it wasn't just peace and we think, oh, just relax. It was wholeness, completeness, healing, prosperity, all wrapped into one. Tranquility, all wrapped into one. But, so when he says peace, he's saying shalom, but he goes even farther. Because we couldn't even be satisfied and not let not our heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, if we just had peace, if we just had shalom. He says, "Um, peace I leave with you. Here it is, my peace. My shalom I give to you. Not as this world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. So what he's saying is shalom. Wait a second. My peace, my wholeness, my healing, my prosperity, my tranquility, all wrapped into one that your English dictionary can't even come up with, so they just say peace all wrapped into one blessing I'm going to leave with you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, because when you need healing, I've got that covered. When you need uh, your prosperity and your finances are down, I've got that covered. I shall supply your needs according to my riches and glory. When you can't go through it and life's going crazy, I've got the peace that passes all understanding. And when you start to look at this scripture in the most horrific time, Jesus was saying, shalom to you wait a second, my shalom, I'm going to leave with you. And that changes everything for us. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not just a a peace. Be all right. Hey, when they come and take me away, put a smile on your face. No, that's, I'm going to leave you my healing and my wholeness and my tranquility and my prosperity. I've got it all covered. I paid it all on the cross. It was a huge price to pay, but I paid it for you so that you don't have to go through what I went through. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we think that we have to suffer for the Lord. No, he suffered for us. He paid the price for us. We think, God, I've got to do this and that for you. I've got to do... No, he did for us. And I got this revelation a few weeks ago when I was preaching. And I, I was going through this. And I was looking at it. And um, God was the one that was owed the debt. You guys probably already know all of this. But when sin happened, it was a violation against God. It was a price that we couldn't pay. So God came and said... I'm the one that's owed the debt. I'm going to pay it off myself so I know it will be paid to the full. You can't pay it off all the way to the full, and I need that relationship back with you again. 
So I'm going to go and pay it to the full. I'm going to go down there. And I started to study. And we did this whole Bible class on um, the tabernacle and the Levitical um, sacrifices. And in that, there's five different sacrifices. One is a, a grain sacrifice. But the other four demand blood. And when you were killing an animal there, you would go and bring the best sheep, the best goat, whatever it is that you'd raise that's perfect without spot or wrinkle. And at that moment, you would put your hand on it. They trust you because they lived with you. They love you. They're there. You put your hand on it. Your sins transfer, and they slit the throat. They slit it with a very sharp knife. And I'm looking at that because if an animal struggles or moves or fights, there's toxins that are released into the meat. And that meat is offered to God. So it ha- couldn't have any of that. It had to be pure. It had to be righteous. It, had, it was a representation of what Jesus was. So this is just a shadow of what was coming. This is just a glimpse into the real sacrifice that was coming. And so they would slit the throat. The animal would die and bleed out. And as I began to look through this, they were killed in a humane way without any torture, without any fear, without any pain, as you put your hand on this trusting animal and they kill it and takes your sacrifice for that year and you got to do it again next year. But Jesus, the sacrifice once for all, came. And the unfair part was it wasn't humane. It wasn't painless. In fact, he went all the way. It wasn't just the blood for your sins to forgive your sins. It was, they bruised my back for your iniquities. That by my stripes you were healed. His body took on pain so that the body could be free from that. He took on everything on his body so that your body You guys, there's so much more. Jesus didn't come and say, I'm going to pay the price. No, he said, I'm going all the way. I don't want just them to be in heaven one day. I want to get heaven in them now. I don't want them to just one day in the by and by when they get there to have victory. I want them to have victory now. So beat me, bruise my body, torture me. I'm going all the way so that they can go all the way. I'm going to take what they deserve and I'm going to put it all on me because I am owed the debt and this is going to be a perfect, perfect Paid in full. So I started to look at this. I'm like, oh God, you paid too high of a price for me not to accept all of that. That's too big of a price for me not to walk in that. There's life in that. And I started to look at all of this because this is where I realized, did you know that um, we're talking about faith, and the sacrifice, and what you can even have faith for, and the devil trying to bring fear to you at all times. At all times. So the real battle, the real battle, the enemy is going to attack you, you're looking at all over, is right here. Here's the fight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Get the word in here, right? In here, up to here, right? So that you can understand the word of God. But what's going to happen is you're looking for the enemy to attack but you're not looking in all the right spots. It's a thought, and he's going to let you run with it. I don't need to attack them. I'll give them a thought and let their imagination that God put in them, that creative ability, I'm going to just put a thought in there and let them, they'll run with it. 
I'm going to tell them they're not worthy, and they'll take that for the rest of their life. I'm going to tell them they're not good enough. I'm going to tell them that their body is never going to be healed, and I'll let them run with it. So I started to look at some of this, you guys, and, and it's hard to win a battle. It's hard to win a fight when you don't even know you're in a fight, right? Or even know how the enemy is attacking. You think you're looking out here and you're getting jabbed in the back the whole time waiting for it, right? The devil is cunning. He's sneaky. He's going to give you a thought. You're going to think it's your thought, and you're going to run with it. So I, I want to look at this scripture really quick here, and I'm going to conclude with this. If you were here at the youth conference, Kelly Case says, when you say the word conclude, um, about 20% of your audience engages again, so welcome back. <laughs> um, I want to end with this scripture because I want you guys to be free up here so that you can be free here. Freely you have received, so freely give, right? And I want you to look at this. It says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, and... Um, we want to have, yeah. I'm going to close with this, but I want you guys to look at this because this is where real freedom is. This is what God showed me. We've read this so many times. At least I did as a boy. It says in First Peter 5 and 8, it says, Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let me break this down for you. First off, we think, at least my small-minded when I was a kid, that, um, that God and the devil are adversaries, and they're battling back and forth. That's not even—that's so far from the truth. The, God is going to flick the devil into eternity one day. He's like, nah, you're done for. It's not an adversary. It says that your adversary, the devil— He's not God's adversary. An adversary would mean equal, right? Something to battle back and forth with. Somebody watch the superhero movies? I'm the only one. I'll repent later. Got it. Okay. But it says that it's your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, which tells me he's not a roaring lion. It tells me he's a poser, which tells me he's fake. How many of you love fake people? It says he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, which tells me he doesn't even know who he can devour. Which tells me he's going to test you to see if he can devour you. Which tells me he's going to come after you to see if you back down. Because he doesn't know. Why? Because he knows who you are in Christ. He can see the God inside of you. He's going to test you to see if you've figured it out yet. He's not afraid of who you are in Christ. He knows who you are in Christ. He's afraid you'll figure it out, though. And then you've got horsepower behind it. When you know whose you are. Hey, I'm a son of God now. We sang about it this morning. Heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ now. And yet the devil's going to... I bet they don't know it yet. <laughs> I bet they don't even believe what they're reading. I'm going to just test them. And I started to look up. And I went to um, this really fancy study guide. It's called Google. I don't recommend Googling anything because you'll get a hundred different answers. Um, but this is what it said. It says a lion doesn't want to fight. It says that the lion just wants to roar and scare everything off so that it comes in and takes over the territory. 
So what will happen is a lion will come into a new territory and it will roar, and a lion will roar back, and they'll say, I think he's bigger. I'm just going to take off over here, <laughs> right? And so he's there roaring because he doesn't want to fight at all. He's just seeing what happens is when two lions think that they're both the bigger one, then you've got to fight. I could take him. I could take him. Which tells me that the devil is the fake lion, but we've got the real lion of Judah on the inside. But he's going to roar to see if that lion's awake on the inside yet. If we know that he's in there. If we believe the word over what we're hearing. If the devil is going to come and roar in your face, in your family, he might roar COVID to you. He might roar over your finances. He might yell about your family situation. He might roar over your health. He might just yell in your face, can I get him here? Can I get him here? Can I get him here? So he's going to come and roar in your face to see if you know what's on the inside. So here's what I did. I went onto the all-knowing Google and I was going to type this in. I'm like, God, I I know you're leading me somewhere in this message. I'm going to type in how to survive a lion attack. And this is either going to be the best message in the world, or it's going to be horrible. I have to throw it away. It says, you don't, you die. (laughs) How do you survive a lion attack? Bring a bigger friend you can outrun. I don't know. (laughs) Push somebody that way while you're running this way. I don't know. I, I looked it up. Now, let me read that scripture one more time. It says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And this is what it says. Think about it in that context. How to fight off the roar of a lion. It said this. I'm just going to read it straight. Do not run. Stand your ground. You need to take charge of the situation and show the lion that you're the threat. It says, turn so that you are side on side with them while clapping your hands, shouting and lifting your hands. You will show the lion that you are the real threat. He walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It says that Jesus, after he ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, which says he is now the high priest of our confession. What it means is what we say. And the high priest was the mediator between God and man. It was just the interpreter, right? And the high priest, Jesus now, we don't need another high priest again. We don't need another sacrifice. We don't need another. The high priest is the high priest of your confession, which means he's going to go back and forth between us and God. And when God looks at us, he's like, I see the blood of Jesus. I see the blood of Jesus. Righteous. And I'm looking at this and I'm seeing that if he's the high priest of your confession, what are we saying? We're like, oh, if it's not bad, it's worse. When it rains, it pours. And God's like, what are they saying? And Jesus is like, I don't, I don't know. That's not my word. <laughs> I'm the high priest of that. I, no. <laughs> right? 
But when you start to speak the word, when you begin to praise in the middle of the storm, and Jesus, your high priest, is there interceding for you and praying with you and standing with you. And the devil's roaring in your face saying, I'm going to hit them with a disease. I'm going to hit them with a problem so hard that they'll back off from the truth. And we begin to praise. We begin to worship. We begin to sing. We begin to give thanks. And we're fully convinced. I don't care about this right here. I'm fully convinced that my God is able to do everything that he promised he was going to do. That I'm fully convinced now. The devil's like, well, I don't know what to do with it. Why are you not running? Why are you not backing down? I don't know what to do with this. And he takes off. Because you've got the lion of Judah on the inside. The real lion in there, ready to roar out praises, ready to roar out scripture, ready to roar. And I'm telling you today, I don't know where you're at or what this last year did to you. I'm not saying that COVID isn't real. It is real. I had it. I'm saying that my God is more real, that my God is bigger. I'm saying that my God is greater than anything. this time if you'd turn to your neighbor and lick them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> God is good, huh? I want to believe his word again. And I want, to, I want to push in. And whatever it is, I want you guys to have that boldness to know the word. Get that word. Maybe you feel like you've been in fear this year. Maybe you feel like um, there's a, a financial situation. Maybe there's a sickness or something. Get that word back on the inside of you again, that you can begin to roar again, that you can begin to confess the word, that you can be able to stand up tall and bold and go after it again, right? We don't hold back. By faith, we do everything by faith. Salvation is faith. When we come up and we give, we don't give God like we're giving a tip here, my 10%, good job this week. We give in faith that we need a breakthrough, Right? We don't just come in and, oh, I need healing. Let's see if it'll happen. No, we stand in faith and say that my God paid too big of a price that by his stripes I was healed and I'm ready to stand on that promise. And I don't care if I don't see it today. I don't care if I see it tomorrow. I'm going to stand on that promise and the word of God until it manifests in my life because my, the proof that that's happening is my faith. And I'm going to stand on that until it manifests in my life because the proof that it's coming is my faith. And let me show you my faith because I am able to believe that God is able to do everything that he said he was going to do. Why don't we stand on up for a moment? I'm just going to pray. Maybe you've been feeling like there's fear in your life. Maybe you you feel like, God, I need to stand up again and, and be strong that's you, just begin to pray and just say, God, I need you. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke fear in this room. I rebuke anxiety. I rebuke sickness. I rebuke poverty. In the name of Jesus, God. God, you said that we are more than conquerors. God, let us know not only who we are, but whose we are. I'm telling you, if you're going through something financial and a multimillionaire in your church was to call up and say, don't worry about it, I got you. That wouldn't change your situation in that moment, but that would give you enough peace to know that it's on its way. How much more? 
of the word of the living God who spoke everything into existence. The same God that has cattle on a thousand hills. The same God that said, light be. If you're struggling with something in your body, go back to the, the one who created your body. And say, God, now. God, I just declare victory in the name of Jesus over this room. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.